Hello and welcome hey. to another episode of For the Love of Sports. Hello to you as well, Kim. Sorry, usually the intro, I just talk to the people. We'll get to you in a second, don't you worry. <laughs> uh, this is For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel. This is a show where we get to talk about sports. We get to talk about business. We get to talk about everything in between, wherever you're listening. However you're listening, you probably know what to do. Right, Kim? Five-star review. Leave a review. Uh, I think on Spotify, you can do five stars now. On YouTube, you can click subscribe. On LinkedIn, I don't know, ask a school comment. But it's all fun and games. It's all fun and games. And incredibly, today, my guest, I have Kim Hildreth. She is a professional volleyball player, professional health coach, all-around cat lover. Kim, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you? It's a good day to be alive, Kim. It is a good day to be alive. I'm very excited to get to talk to you really about the business side of volleyball. Obviously, want to understand your career, what you've done. I saw you played a bunch in college, the difference between beach and indoor. I watch everything when it comes to the Olympics. I told you candidly, I love playing volleyball on the weekends with my friends, maybe have a couple beers. But the first <laughs> question I have for everybody, Kim, on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? <laughs> That's a great question to start with. Um, I, I think it goes hand in hand with being a health coach. Like the things that I love in both aspects of my career are like sports are just sports were for me for sure like my first avenue of like tangible ability to get better at something and like visible results you know like you work on something super hard in practice and even in practice you might get those results of like i'm trying to change a certain technique or the way i do things and then whoa all of a sudden i like hit the ball harder and like that's pretty exciting and i think for me that's always been like a driving factor in my life of like that self-growth i think has become like my like a little bit of addiction and like that I just it's it's awesome to like be in so much control over like how much you can get better and I think that's it's just like super empowering and fun so I think volleyball was you know my sport of choice for that <laughs> it is it is interesting right there's only so few things I mean I guess maybe I just have a, a closed mindset with thinking about it but how many things do you really do in life where it's like hey, if you, you practice this really, really hard every single day, like you're going to see those tangible results. Like most people in their jobs, it's like you're an accountant, like you're going to practice accounting like so damn hard. And then th that tax return season's like, no, that's not really how it works. Like you know how to do a tax return or not. They're going to change the laws on you. You get to learn how to do it again. So maybe it's just me, but outside of sports, can you even think of anything else that like where you work really, really hard at something and then you can kind of see the tangible results, I guess, outside of like fitness and sports, like what else is there, I guess? Yeah. I mean, yes, actually I, I do that for a living. I think, hey, uh, you know, question, when, Mike, what yeah, <laughs> um, I get to watch people work on themselves for a living, you know, like I, as a health coach, I help people, you know, with health issues and nutrition, movement, all that stuff, like moving and becoming physically more healthy the way that they want. But a lot of that work is done like behind the scenes in the mental work. And I think it's really, um, super satisfying to like help be a part of and like watching myself like you know you can i i'm just talking to somebody about this recently but like i think uh the general population underestimates how many things in life are like practicable skills um and i think clearly i'm one of them so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I but that. i mean i think if you approach everything in life as this is a skill i can practice and get better at like you'd be surprised how many things like open up for that and uh, I, i've seen it like i've seen people um, you know, practice getting better at small talk, practice getting better at putting themselves out there, practice getting better at waking up in the morning, practice getting better at like telling themselves like their self-talk, like how much more positive that can be. Like, so, um, yeah, I think, I think it's a, 
it's something that culturally that seems to be like lost that like we think that things are so black and white and like you're good or you're bad at something but like I I really don't believe that and I think sports have taught me that that like there's so many things in life that you can practice getting better at and I think that's like super exciting. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you actually make a great point. Like all of those things that you mentioned, like I personally practice myself. So I guess like I'm just, when I was thinking of that question out loud, just didn't think of myself or really anything in context, but that's totally true, right? Like it's very, I mean, quote unquote, easy to practice to get up early. Now, if you do it or not, that, that's on you. But like set your alarm for one minute earlier every single week. And eventually, you know, after a year, you're waking up an entire hour earlier, right? Like it's just easy yeah. little things like that that I guess people don't look at in the micro. They only look at them in the macro. And it's like, well, I'm trying to get, wake up an hour earlier. So I'm going to set my alarm an hour earlier. Well, you're going to fail, man. I'm telling you that right now. It's not yeah. going to work. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of curious. And obviously, we'll get to your career in volleyball and everything. But I think this is a fun uh, way to start the conversation, especially like in that comparison. Again, health coaching, um, waking up earlier, self-talk, something I, I, I promote and practice constantly every single day. Uh, volleyball and your skill set, like the the incremental increases sometimes take a very long time. And the better you get at it, the harder it is, I guess, then to jump those next levels, potentially depending on how high you're trying to get. How often do you deal with that across both of your careers, let's call it, where, hey, like, you know, eating a salad once a week, going from zero to one is really important. And then you can go from zero, like one to two. Like, how often do you come across that, in, again, in, in both sides of your career? Yeah, all the time. That's like honestly something that people have a really hard time grasping and i think especially for me the population of people that i tend to work with health coaching wise are athletes former athletes and most of us in the world of sports um have this like all or nothing mindset of like i like if i didn't give 110 percent, i did nothing <laughs> you know like it wasn't worth it if i didn't give everything and i think it's really hard for athletes specifically to like find that like incremental growth and that 1% better is like one of, you know, my favorite coaches that I ever had, Raquel Ferreira. She, she always put it that way. She's like, you know, your first couple of years of your beach volleyball career. And I think this goes for any athlete, like when you're get, becoming like even just college to pro, there's like this huge, these huge jumps that you make. It's like, I get 50% better in one year and then I might get 30% better the next year. And that still feels good. And then it goes to 10 and then like, I'm kind of near the top. And now there's just like, not that much room to get better. And she always said, like, you know, what's your 1% better this year? And I think that's a really good thing, like, for sports and for not sports to, like, consider. And I actually asked that on my social media, and I'm planning on having a post soon. I asked everybody, like, what's your 1% better for this year? And just got, like, a really crazy, awesome variety of answers um, of everybody thinking, like, hey, if incrementally every day I'm thinking about what's my 1% better, by the end of the year, you're going to be 1% better, and you can look back at that. Um so yeah, I think I think that's a a good point and something that's hard for people to grasp sometimes. Um, like for example, I had a client today that I talked to and she's like, I want to work out more consistently. And I'm like, cool, like the first thing you need to practice is you need to practice showing up to go to the gym because you've not been doing that. But like in her head, she's like, I have to start working out. And if I don't go and I didn't sweat, it was a failure. But I'm like, well, you don't even have the habit of going yet. So why don't you just start there? And like, if you literally just go to the gym mm -hmm. three times a week and it doesn't matter what you do there, but then you reached your goal and now you've developed this habit of, I already am used to carving out this time for this. And then eventually you're probably going to start working out. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, uh, so you make a, a couple really great points. Um, 
one, I, it was it was taught to me as well. It was like, well, okay, so you want to go on a run. Don't go on a run. Just put on your shoes. That's yeah. it. Just put on your shoes, and that's all you have to do. Set the bar so unbelievably low that you're just like, damn, I can obviously put on my shoes. Mm-hmm. And then you put on your shoes, and you're like, well, I guess my shoes are on. I might as well at least go for a walk, right? And then yeah. you, you open your door. You you walk out of your you know your house or your apartment. And then you start going on your walk and you're like, all right, this is not that bad. I I guess I could go for a very light jog, right? And that's like the easiest way to get into something. People think I'm going to go on a 10 mile run. It's like, you're going to die. Like, don't go on a 10 mile run. Just put Mm -hmm. on your shoes. Like make the bar so easy to jump over that it's almost impossible for you not to do it. And you're just going to get closer to that potential goal, which will then make you go. That's how it was taught to me. Shout out David Meltzer. Incredible, incredible coach of mine over the days. Um, And I think that's exactly like what you're saying, right? Like, just literally drive to the gym. Like just, just get there, walk inside, walk around, chat. Most people go to the gym to chat anyway. They're not actually yeah. going to do anything. So just go in and chat, and eventually you'll get there, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, completely agree. Um, I want to move backwards in time. What's your 1% better this year, Kim? That's a really good question. Um, Thank you. Uh, mine you're, is I'm gonna be, you're gonna, my head's going to be huge by the end of this. <laughs> uh, I always appreciate good questions because I think that's part of my job. You know, like I, I – people pay me to ask them hard questions right. and really look at their life. So I appreciate getting them back because I like to reflect on this stuff. So my 1% better this year is letting go. Um, I've noticed in the last couple of years that like, I feel safe when I feel in control of stuff. And I think, especially for my volleyball career, um, my personal life, like I have a tendency to not allow other things to happen outside of my control. So this year I was like, whatever happens, I'm going to learn what life looks like. And I can choose at the end of the year if I liked it or if I didn't like it, but I'm going to learn what it looks like when I try to step back and not take control and I just let it go (laughs) and let everything happen like the way it's supposed to happen or whatever. Um, And then at the end of the year, I'll see. And if I hated it, well, then I'll just go back and try to be in control of everything. But at least I tried something different and uh, got a chance to see like what my life could be like otherwise. And so from someone in your perspective, right, you're the coach, you're, you're teaching others. I assume you then have coaches, correct? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So how, how do you gauge and justify what you're doing, right? Like, how do you make sure like, yes, I am actually letting go or yes, I am actually doing this 1% better because I'm sure how do I measure it? How do you, you could tell yourself, I tell myself things all the time. I don't know if they're true or not. Like, how do you actually make sure that you are letting go? What do you, what are you exactly doing to let go? Yeah. So like, I think that's, that was a good question. Thank you. Um, so it's, yeah, it's important to know how you're measuring something that you're doing. Right. Um, and I think the biggest, most easiest way to do it is just develop awareness of like, um, you know, and already I think I've succeeded in that. I think I've had moments where like there was a decision to be made or like, um, you know, whatever, like I could basically like force my way into something or I could choose not to. And I've had to, at first I had to like see them in past. Like I already missed the opportunity and I realized that I, that I had an opportunity to let go and I didn't. And like, once you start becoming aware of things that happened in the past, it starts developing sooner and sooner and sooner. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm in the moment. And I'm like, oh, I, I could choose to let go right now, or I could just take control and take over. Um, so for me, awareness has been the first step, um, which is, you know, manifested kind of interestingly so far this year. And then, uh, you know, next step I think is like getting more comfortable with that moment and getting better at 
what our, I don't know, what is the, I don't even know. I can't, I can't quite mm-hmm. even say it cause I'm not there yet, but like yes. seeing kind of what happens when I choose that um, and what my options are. Cause I know what my options are if I'm going to be in control, but I don't really know what my options are if I'm letting go. And maybe there's more options than I think there are. Um, so I think for me, awareness is like the most concrete way to like measure it. I, I completely agree. I personally believe awareness is a superpower. Like if you have the yeah. capabilities of, of being self-aware and being aware in situations and really being able to understand and take things in, in real time, I think you're going to be so much more just in tune with what's actually going on and realizing like maybe you, you shouldn't actually take control. Not, not that you should you like want to, or don't want to, like it's mm-hmm. probably best if you shouldn't. So I've been practicing that for years. I want to say probably going on five, six years at this point. And it is so much fun being able to see those things and in, in real time, being able to hear my thoughts, like, right. Isn't that funny? I hear my thoughts yeah. in real time, right? Like yeah. you say it and it sounds kind of silly, but like, you know, tell me how often, like you just kind of let negative thoughts ramble, right? You being yeah, and ramble and ramble. be in control, you know? Yep. And I, that's mm-hmm. probably the, best way and I might steal this but like it's probably the best way to define what I do is like I help people become more self-aware because I think that's something that sports taught me from the beginning like I learned how to become self-aware of like okay well if you know I'll use I love using volleyball analogies most of my clients are volleyball players because my most of my you know following is volleyball players but I'm like if you try to get better at passing a volleyball like you need to have your elbows straight and a lot of people will have their elbows bent and you can literally like choose to be aware you can practice being aware of like as the ball is coming at me no matter what my elbows are going to be straight even if i pass the ball backwards you know like um and like developing that awareness as an athlete started to trickle off the court and i'm like you know wow you can develop awareness and do a whole lot of other stuff and i think that practice as an athlete has helped me a lot and i got a chance to like coach that as a volleyball coach also like before becoming a health coach and like teach other people like how to develop the awareness I had on the court with my body. Um, and then that's just like spiraled into my health coaching career. <laughs> that is awesome. So my favorite yeah. reason why I have this podcast is listening to and talking to people that are super passionate about something, especially if I have no idea what it is. That just makes <laughs> me so happy because I'm, I'm able to learn, obviously, from someone that is extremely excited to talk about something. So I do appreciate you coming on, Kim, because obviously uh, you're very, very passionate a about volleyball, b obviously about health coaching as well, which I think is pretty darn cool. And necessary right like we were kind of talking a little bit beforehand like what exactly is a health coach in your words like we know the new one that you got because we helped you out we, yeah we kind of workshop <laughs> that a little bit but like what's a health coach kim yeah so a health coach at large in the whole industry is kind of like a new up-and-coming industry as uh you know insurance companies are starting to become aware that like if we prevent people from getting hey. sick they actually cost us less money than Proactive. letting people get sick yeah Ooh, so it's actually crazy. an up-and-coming industry and um i think recently just got approval some kind of approval that you can get reimbursed by insurance to work with a health coach um which is awesome great for the industry great for humans our culture everything hey. um so yeah so health coaches in general are behavior modification experts and so we will help you and in terms of health like we'll help you modify the behaviors that you're doing that are causing you to be unhealthy, which generally work towards nutrition or movement. Um, But most health coaches come from, and definitely me, come from a holistic perspective where like, you know, you're not not eating the way that you want and not moving. Like everybody, I I don't know anybody that I've ever talked to that was 100% satisfied with the way they eat and move. 
everybody thinks that they can do better. Um, and it's like, okay, well, what's holding you back from doing better? And like, that's a health coach's job is to figure out what those details are, what's holding you back and empower you to start taking those first steps to get there. And I can say with hundred percent honesty that like hundred percent of my clients have gotten like way healthier in their goals and like way happier in their control over their life and like their outlook on life by, by working with a health coach, because you know, it's just, it's just empowering to have time to have somebody sit there and work on helping you solve your problems, honestly. Mm-hmm. No, a hundred percent. And like, it's, you know, I, I kind of made the facetious comment before uh, we got on, but like, you can get all this information for free from some random person on yeah. TikTok, right? Like it's, it's not hard to Google like, Hey, this is, this is who I am. This is what I do. Like, like what's a diet for me. Right. And you could try some mm-hmm. things, but it's, it's actually having someone, as you said, take the time to sit down and talk to you and understand who you are and what you're trying to do go on a walk every day. Like I literally just go on walks every day and I love it. And it's my favorite mm-hmm. thing in the entire world. It takes 28 minutes, pretty much every single time. Heart rate gets above hundred. I hear that's kind of good. And you know, hey, <laughs> I, I eat a salad for lunch. Like, I don't, I don't think it's rocket science, but at the same time, like I could also totally agree with you and said, like, if we work together, I'd probably get healthier and I'd probably mm-hmm. do better because again, you're there to support and help. And, and you really just kind of understand who I am as a person, which I think is really interesting. And the one comment that you made that is honestly like, kind of surprising i guess not really considering like your background as a, as a volleyball player but it's really interesting that most of your clients are athletes and again just kind of coming from the outside world like i play jv baseball don't want to brag but like coming from the outside <laughs> world like you'd think athletes these you know the most fittest human beings on planet earth professional college doesn't matter what do they need health coaches for like they know what they should eat right but i guess clearly that's not the case yeah i mean i think it I think it really comes down to like mindset stuff um, of like why most of the athletes that I work with aren't satisfied with the way that they're living their life. Um, And probably like two parts. Part one is like, I think, you know, most athletes, again, I think we said this earlier, but like most athletes have this like all or nothing mindset that really doesn't serve them, especially the moment that they stop doing whatever Mm -hmm. sport they were doing for the most part. So most of the people I work with, are post serious sporting stuff, but they're still identify as an athlete and they don't really know how to do that as not being an athlete. And so, you know, when you leave that world of like all or nothing is rewarded and all of a sudden you're in this world where all or nothing is like not serving you, like they they have no balance. They have no, it's like, I'm going to go to the workout and crush myself for a week. And then I don't work out for like two weeks because I crushed myself. Like there's this like, woo, like up and down. And, uh, So that's probably part one of the most thing that I work with. And I think like part two is like health coaching is different, but as important as therapy, like a lot of people really, and athletes for sure, like really are like, you know, I've had a bunch of past stuff, like I've survived some stuff, but like I you know, I'm fine. Like, I don't need to process that anymore, but like, I don't know what else to do because I'm still not like thriving. Like there's this difference between like, I made it through and there's like this point where as an athlete, you're like, I'm always trying to be the best, but like, I know I'm not the best at my own life and I know I'm not thriving and I don't really know why. And this is kind of where health coaching comes in. Cause like therapy is like, okay, you need to process the past, to understand yourself better. But like, once you understand yourself better, you need to do something about it. And in health coaching, we really focus on action. And it's like probably the most empowering thing because we take what you know about yourself or we dive into yourself a little bit. So you understand that 
And then we were like, okay, well now what are you going to do? And we like, I think a lot of athletes like really struggle with that missing piece because they know what they're missing something and they know they're not thriving, but like they don't even maybe know what thriving is for them. Like, so part of it might be like kind of creating a vision of like what that thriving piece looks like. And then being okay with taking, like we talked about earlier, being okay with taking incremental small steps to Mm -hmm. get there instead of just being like, well, I'm not there and I tried hard today and I'm not there. So I'm pissed, you know, like it's a, it's kind of that dichotomy of like the all or nothing mindset and the like lack of thriving. I think that really hits most of the athletes that I work with. Yeah, that is a, that is a very, uh, I don't know if ironic is the word, but right. Like I, I need to be thriving, but I didn't go all in. So how can I be thriving when in reality, actually it's, it's the inter- incremental steps to get there, uh, which yeah. is what will, will help you get to be thriving, which again, will then help you get your goals. Um, that is a really interesting kind of, yeah, dichotomy, good word, um, that she used there that, that really, it's gotta be difficult, right. For these athletes again, since, you know, young ages, you know, look at you, like, when did you start playing volleyball? When did you start paying attention to a lot of this stuff, I guess. I mean, I start, started playing volleyball at like 11. And then I think definitely by the time, you know, by the time I reached high school, my goals were college. Mm-hmm. Like I found that moment of like, oh, I can be really self-aware on the court and get better a lot faster than these people around me. Um, that was probably it for me. But like, I think even in the last five years, like since after I started playing professional volleyball, did I get to that point myself where I was like, oh, I'm not thriving. Like, why am I not thriving? You know, like, sure. Like volleyball is, you know, all sports have their up and downs. And like, I've had, you know, I even, I think the biggest moment I had was 2019 was the best, like on paper season of my career. And at the end of the year, and like, I got engaged, I got married in 2019. Like it was a great year on paper. And at the end of the year, I was like, man, like I spent a lot of this year not loving my life. And like, I was like, what, (laughs) like what happened? Because like, these are all the things that I wanted in my life and they happened and I still don't feel like they happened. And I think that for me was like a really big wake up call of like, okay, there's something missing here and I'm not thriving and I don't know why. And like, um, you know, that's definitely when I started more of my health coaching career and more of my personal journey with that. I mean, it kind of happened along the way, but that was my biggest like wake up call. So um, you know, I can relate. I've been there. <laughs> yeah. Well, thankfully for you, after 2019, we had a little year called 2020 where the world yeah. shut down and it kind of you know ended there for like a solid six months. Like, how did you then deal with that aspect? Again, coming from that that mental health, not, not mental health background, but again, you understand that the mental aspect of a lot of the things athletes do is it's extremely important, right? The mental side is yeah. You know, once you get to that top level, like everybody's good. It's just who's mentally better, I think. And again, totally. not coming from me, I've interviewed a lot of athletes. They're worth <laughs> mine. Um, I guess, how did you personally deal with that? Because it sounds like 2019 was a, was a, an awakening year almost just for you to understand who you were and, and what you wanted to do. And then like, you're probably rare and ready to go for 2020. You know, here comes March, I don't know what, 14th, 2020, 2020, a day that will literally live in infamy because yeah. the world shut down. Uh, how did you, I guess, deal with that aspect of it and just either kind of take that dip and then come out of it or, or be able to kind of sustain through most of that year where understanding, hey, there's, I control what I can control and I can do what I need to do, whether or not I can go to the grocery store. Yeah, so... It's interesting that you said that because like, I don't know if I've ever like put this together. I knew it at the time, but like talking through it, like, yes, 2019, like on paper was like one of the best years of my life. Like emotionally, it was not. 
And then 2020 on paper was like one of the worst years of my life, but emotionally it was the best. Like it was the beginning of the best, you know? And because, you know, I think it gave me a chance to reflect on and really reckon with like the place that I had put volleyball in my life. um, When all of a sudden there wasn't any volleyball and, you know, like, especially for, yeah, like, I mean, most other professional sports, like kind of got their stuff together by the end of the year, but like, for beach volleyball, there was like three events for the entire year for like maybe a third or a fourth of the players that would normally get to play. Like they, it was super condensed and I was fortunate to like be one of those, but I wasn't able to prepare for it like the way that I normally would. So it was kind of just like, whatever, like I'm happy to be here, but like, it, I'm not sad. I'm never going to be satisfied because I never got to prepare, but like emotionally, I was home and I spent more time with my family than I had in years because of travel for volleyball. Like, I mean, already this year, I I just got home and I was gone for three weeks because of volleyball. And like, so I spent, I spent like 12 weeks in a row at home, which is, I don't know if I've done that like ever in my life, even as a kid, cause I was traveling for like club volleyball and stuff. So like, that was just, you know, I think 2020 really gave me a chance to like experience a lot of different things, which gave me a lot of perspective um, and made me think hard about like, you know, how do I want my life to look? Um, And I think a lot of the people that I've worked with since 2020, like have kind of had a similar experience. And like part of the reason that they're working with me is like my life completely changed that year. And I haven't adjusted. Like, I don't even know what my routine looks like anymore because my life has been so different in the last two years. So um, yeah, it, it, it went from I don't know. It just like completely flipped 2020 and 2019, like on paper and emotionally, like, whoop, like, <laughs> um, which was cool. You know, uh, fortunately for me, like we, we made it out. Okay. Like I think, you know, my family were a little stressed, obviously financially and per like, you know, for our goals and everything, but, but we made it out for the better. We kind of used the year for our advantage. I know a lot of people couldn't do that, but um, yeah, for us, it was, it was a silver lining year for sure. Hundred percent, and I'm I'm all for taking a negative and turning it into a positive because that's I'm a very positive person. I, negativity does not serve me, um, so why am I gonna waste my time with it? So I totally agree. Like those first few weeks were were weird, but it was literally mm-hmm. like me and my now wife at the time we were just engaged, and yeah, I don't know. It was like what like four weeks I think before we like legitimately left the house, other than just going on a walk around the block. Like yeah. it was it was nuts and didn't fight once like it was we, like we knew we were in this together and like hey we'd have those remember those zoom hangouts right that was yeah. for like two months that was a blast um yeah we would do that we would that was that's like the extent we would see our friends and we would see our friends like on a weekly basis so it was like a mm-hmm. super weird like two months but then everything kind of like we kind of figured it out and and got moved forward and yeah i i, I hate kind of I don't want to say flaunting it, but 2020 was one of my favorite years ever. Uh, 2021 was one of my favorite years ever. 2022 was shaping up to be one of my favorite years ever because I think I was able to hit that point of like understanding who I am and, and mentally understanding what I need and being able to throw out and block out a lot of the bullshit that I could not care less about. All that's gone now and I don't need to yeah. care about it and I'm so much happier for it. Unfortunately, it took a literal worldwide pandemic to get there. But again, we're going to take a negative. We're going to turn into a positive. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people like from my perspective, the people that I've worked with and like my friends, like there's, you know, just whatever, I guess my community, like I've seen this huge difference between the people who were able to do what you and I did and like for ourselves. And then the people who saw other people doing that and couldn't 
figure out how like we did that like it didn't quite like work out the mm -hmm. same way in their own lives and so for me a lot of the people that have ended up coming to work with me is like i am seeing other people like in the worst situation come out on top and like i didn't and what am i missing and why didn't i get to do that too and i like what we talked about earlier personally i think that's practicable skills like i think i got to practice that resiliency in athletics for so long and i think even the athletes that i worked or work with like like there's just an aspect of like transferring that to your personal life that a lot of people miss so um yeah i think there's just been that like difference and like it's very obvious to like people who didn't do it themselves that like other people are like why are, how, why and how are you like so happy how did you make it out of the worst year or two years three years whatever like on top like i didn't and i'm confused and upset and hurt and you know jealous from that yeah i mean well first we made it we all made it out right or everyone that's still here we made it out so that's the number one thing like hey yeah we, we made it out like i think that's one thing to be extremely grateful for um i practice gratitude every single day which i think is very important to give you mm -hmm. kind of perspective and yeah it's really just being able to pick up those I don't want to say tricks, but as you said, those skills along the way to understand what you need to do to make you better. Um, the more you do those things every single day, that 1%, again, it's been five years. I meditate every single day. I missed one day in the last five years meditating. And I believe that's made me 5% better, like at a minimum, right? Like I try and get one, you, I, I think it was really interesting you said, you know, we try to get 1% better every single year. There's a good shot you're going to overshoot that 1%, right? Like mm -hmm. you'll probably get to one and a half percent, 2%, 3% better, depending on, yeah. you know, what the skill you're trying to practice is and what you're trying to do, especially towards the end of a year, if you're doing it every single day, which I think is really interesting. So yeah, I think we're definitely. I'm not going to say we're lucky because we worked hard at it, but very grateful. That's for sure. Um, so I do want to take, I guess, a little yeah. bit of a turn and kind of get into the volleyball stuff of what you've been doing, right? Because that interestingly enough that's kind of led you to where you are and what you're doing and how you're doing it which i think is Definitely. really important so we kind of talked about you know, getting into it you played in college for four or five years if i'm not mistaken you played some indoor you played some beach volleyball uh, what i'm really interested in though is like the the business aspect and the the money making aspect not sure if you're aware but there's like a like a dollar counter online that says how much money you made i don't know if that's actually true or not but it's there we don't need um, to get into <laughs> i think so <laughs> I, that doesn't really yeah. matter to me, but what I'm interested in is the actual, the, the ability to make money in a sport that is not, you know, one of the four five, six major sports that I see on TV every day, right? Like how, how, what is that like? And how, how do you go about kind of navigating that aspect of it? Because I mean, if you're making, you know, $50,000 a year, that's great, but I don't know how viable that is in you know, beach volleyball outside of the Olympics, right? Right. So I will tell you that, uh, you know, obviously the last two years don't totally count. Yeah, um, that's, that makes sense. On, but I mean, they kind of count for other sports, like other sports didn't really stop. But the last two between the last two years on our professional tour on the ABP, there were only six total events. Um, and in 2020, like I said before, I think they let it was maybe like 12 teams total. So 24 players on the women's side and 24 players on the men's side only got to play. Like, can you imagine in the NBA, if they were like, Oh, only yeah. 24 of you get to play this whole two season. teams yeah. and only 24 of you get paid like what? <laughs> um, so not counting the last two years and looking at this year, maybe like where there's a lot more, both the world tour and the professional ABP tour, 
have a lot more events this year, um, but total on the AVP tour, there's only $2 million total in prize money for how many players? Like at minimum, like a hundred great players on both the men's and women's side. Um, so it's impossible to make $2 million total this whole year as a professional athlete. Um, and I will tell you in my career, I've only had one year that I actually made a profit, even though that year I was like, 2019 was like one of the best players on tour. I maybe made like five grand after expenses. Uh, Cause I have to pay for my own coach. I have to pay for my own travel. I have to pay for hotel rooms, flights. I have to pay for like strength training. So a lot of us, like I would say, except for the top, maybe like four players. I mean, I even know like some of the top players also have other full-time jobs. Like, so I have my own business. I have worked other full-time jobs. I've coached my butt off most of my career to like make it work. Um, so yeah, unfortunately in volleyball, not the most lucrative sport, which is sad because it is the most popular sport in the Olympics to watch is beach volleyball. Um, and we're fingers crossed, hoping that this changes. The ABP uh, got bought out by a new company, Bally's Sports. So I'm really curious oh, wow. to see how that... Yeah. So I'm really curious to see how that partnership will go this year. It's already like, there's been a lot more volleyball on TV. I've had like random people text me and be like, Oh, your game's on at this bar. And I'm like, sweet. Like (laughs) that's good for volleyball. Like hopefully we all make more money. Um, but yeah, so most of us have to kind of like navigate this. And I think this is something I've had so many conversations recently with like younger players, especially with girls coming out of college. So like now there's college beach volleyball, which wasn't, I played one year of college beach volleyball because I was too old to like, get into that. Right. Mm-hmm. So the girls that are getting this basically they're actually getting paid to train and play as like a collegiate player, you know, cause they're getting paid in their scholarship money. They're getting paid in whatever extra expenses. Now the NIL deal, NIL, deal went yep. through. So they're getting paid in sponsorship money, like awesome. Um, but like then once college is over, I've seen this like transition of like, Oh, now I have, to find my own coach and I have to pay them myself and I have to find my own strength coach and pay them themselves. I have to also decide if those coaches are good. Like in college, you kind of know who's good, but like in the pro world, there's like a couple top coaches and then it's like a free for all. (laughs) Um, So it's interesting to see like the success the first year out of college that players have because they're still getting coaching or like while they're in college and they're just playing in the summer on the pro tour. And then like two, three, four years after they get out of college, how, honestly like hard it is to keep those really talented players in the system because it's just not worth it financially. Um, so it's kind of a bummer. Um, but I've tried really hard to like have a lot of conversations with like girls coming out of college, girls still in college about like, Hey, like if you really want to make the sport work, like financial stability is the number one thing you need to do because you need to be able to afford to play this. Um, because a lot of girls would come out and just try to like be a beach bum for a couple of years, which is really fun. And that's why we all still play because beach volleyball is so fun. And like, it's just, everyone in the community is freaking awesome. Everyone loves, like you're hanging out on the beach. You're like having beers after you play. Like there is no bad about playing a beach volleyball tournament. Right. But like, um, so it's fun, but then you get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm like 28, 29, 30. And like, I don't have a mortgage. I don't have a mortgage because I haven't been able to afford to buy a house or like, I don't have any savings or like, I'm still living paycheck to paycheck. Like that becomes a lot less fun. So, um, yeah, unfortunately the sport of beach volleyball isn't there yet, but we're really hopeful. I think the college women's game has really changed it. 
on the international scene too, because the girls are coming from all over the world to play in the NCAA and they're going back to their countries and making the world tour a lot more competitive. So, and like spreading that kind of like American sports ideal, like, you know, if you're like the McNamara twins, for example, used to play at UCLA and now they're playing for team Canada and like all of UCLA who used to cheer for them, all those Americans, like now they're like, Oh, the McNamara's, you know, so they're getting more interested in the world tour. And I think, that's worked really well for like other top five sports like baseball, basketball, football, mm-hmm. all that stuff. So um, it'll be really interesting to see where it goes. Unfortunately, it might not happen in like my li- lifespan of professional sports. But, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's a blast. And that's why all of us play. And I think it makes the volleyball community like really unique because no one's in it for the money. <laughs> Everyone's in the it for it. though. You're laying yeah. the foundation, which, hey, you're going to be in the history books. I think that part is pretty interesting and very important, <laughs> right? Like that's, yeah. that's good to good to know. And as you said, you still touch the sport through, you know, all the all the athletes that you work with, all the people that you get to work with. Uh, shout out Kelly Clay's Sarah Spongle, if I'm not mistaken. They were incredible. Kelly was on this show a while oh, nice. ago, which was super yeah. cool. She's incredible. Um, so it was fun to get to talk to her about what she's done. I think that what one's you said USC, one's UCLA, please don't let them know that I forgot which one went because I don't think that's going to go over that well. But yeah. no, and I think I think that's really interesting, right? Just the fact that, you know, hey, it's it's you do it literally for the love of the game. Like, that's that's not a question. And, and it's, it does this sound podcast. Like, uh, yeah, hey, I didn't do yeah. that on purpose. But uh, no, and I think that's really important because that that's kind of how a lot of this stuff starts, right? And and I think then I'm curious, like, it doesn't sound like the, the sport is extremely lucrative, but the opportunities that, again, you make for yourself can be potentially right so shout out andrew and the othello group because i know you're working with them they're doing some awesome awesome stuff so thank you thank you to them i'm curious like from you know and now that social media now it has existed and this influencer opportunity has come up and come up and come up right obviously you utilize it for as you said your followers are mostly volleyball players so you utilize it for your 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 um your coaching career right as a as a health coach i'm sure you utilize it for you know sponsorship and and endorsement opportunities like how do you go about finding those how do you go about making sure that you're getting the right ones and and andrew and his team are kicking ass and finding you the right ones yeah and and really making sure that it, that it aligns with who you are, but understanding like, hey, you're also trying to get paid. Like you need to get paid in some way, shape or form. So you can use volleyball as that catalyst to maybe grow that following, which could then bring in the opportunities for endorsements and health coaching. How do you kind of view that, I guess, that puzzle? And how do you put that together in your head? Yeah, I think it manifests very differently for every player, depending on their backgrounds. Like for me, um, you know, unfortunately I didn't go to like some UCLA schools. And when I was in school, like social media was just starting to become a thing. So like, it's, it's kind of interesting to see like now, like the girls who are in college right now, especially with the NIL, like are just way more social media savvy. Like they have followers because all the people at school, like follow them just like we would for like football or professional sports. Um, so it's honestly, it's like awesome. Like they are getting great opportunities from that. And it's really going to like benefit the sport as a whole, like that people are going to be able to capitalize on that for someone like me who has really had to do a lot of work and like, uh, you know, like self-reflection to like figure out what my brand is going to be and like what my social media is going to say. Like, um, you know, when I first started working with Andrew, um, (laughs) he was like, you got to post every day. And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't do everything. I don't yeah. do something every day. I was like, like this is I... not my job. Like volleyball is my job. Like, no. And he was like, you don't get it. <laughs> and so we had some like really interesting conversations about, okay, why am I posting every day? Because for me, 
especially in my, what I do and just like who I am as a person, like my, my biggest values are honesty and authenticity. And so for me to just post to post is absolutely violating like my moral code. And so that's why I was like, no, Andrew, like I'm not doing that. Um, so we had to figure out like, okay, well, what feels genuine for you to post about? And so I think like that has definitely manifested with my health coaching career, like that they go hand in hand. So uh, like, if you look at my social media, it's definitely a lot of volleyball content because I love volleyball and I'll do some tongue in cheek posts and post some good rallies. And like, I have fun with that. Um, but it's also like, I, I think when I shifted to the perspective of like, Hey, if I post something or if I come on a podcast like this, like the things that I say could impact somebody's life for the better. And it, and I think like for that, I'm real big process over results person, but like definitely for that, the results have really given me confidence and like helped as like, you know, I feel very confident posting a lot of the things that I post. Cause I know for a fact that it has helped somebody else. So if I say it on social media, maybe it's going to change somebody's life. Like, um, so I think that kind of strategy, making it more authentic to me, um, made, like that first like big important hurdle of like putting yourself out there on social media like happen and then capitalizing on opportunities has been really interesting too because um and this is where Andrew and I are like super aligned and I'm like really like working with him as my agent because he really does not like doing like influencer deals because he's like those are just one offs and like I'm a relationship person and so is he and so he's like I'd rather see you as somebody that this is like a genuine part of your life. Like, and that works for the brand really well too, because they're like, you are literally like a living example of people that we want to use this product and you are a role model and we want people to look at you like that. And so for me, I think that made the whole like sponsorship aspect and like selling myself, like feel a lot more like aligned with who I am. Um, yeah, authentic for sure. And so, you know, I think like for sure, like shout out to now foods, like he has helped me work with now foods for the last couple of years. And like that was like a no brainer. Like they support athletes and like health and fitness influencers at large. And like all of the people in their community are like very aligned with my values. And so like, it just feels like a perfect fit, you know, value wise. And then obviously like the products, like I, I'm a big, I have a big struggle with like, I'm not going to promote something that I don't actually use. And I think especially being a health coach, like you should be able to look at my page and be like, if you're selling me this drink, it like you should actually be using it or like yes. you're kind of a fraud. And why would I want to trust you with my health? Mm -hmm. You know, so it's been really interesting to like navigate that personally. I think at large as a business um, in the volleyball community, everybody takes that a little bit differently with whatever yeah. works for them. But yeah. But yeah. yeah, no, I think you have that added layer of the health coach aspect, right? Like it's one thing to say, oh, this is healthy food and I eat it. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe I don't like it, but I eat it kind of thing, right? But then there's that, yeah. that extra layer of not only am I an athlete, I'm also a health coach, and I believe in this product from for myself and for mm -hmm. for me, both sides of me, as well as my clientele, who mostly are athletes and are my health coaching clients, right? Like it's that it's that whole just that extra added layer of something like that. So again, shout out Andrew, he is pretty incredible at what he does. So I appreciate him uh, him being a friend. Uh, obviously, being on this show, I can't remember the number episode. It was like. 15 or whatever i think kim you're 287 at this point so it's been nice. a minute i've gotten much better at this which i think is good too, but, um, <laughs> practice on him he's a good he's a good practice dummy he's got a really interesting story too which i always thought yeah. was really cool he's on like sirius xm and then he was traveling all over the mediterranean like it's this really crazy shit. but yeah um so 
I think that's really important. And I think it's really cool that you've been able to find brands, uh, people to help, but also brands that you're, you're able to connect with on multiple different levels. Again, with the, the two sides of you and, and keep saying that, but in reality, it's all one of you. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, kind of which, which you're paying attention to a little bit more, I guess, at that time. So I do have a little question for you, the health coach, okay. uh, health coach, Kim, uh, mm-hmm. my LDL is just a little bit high. <laughs> What should I do to maybe take that down? I think I'm at 107 and I was told I should be under 100, right? So it's not like crazy, but I do want to get that down. Um, I don't know. What's something I could do? Yeah. So one of the biggest pieces of the health coaching profession is clear boundaries. Um, we are assets to the medical community, but like nice. for sure. This is a good question then. You didn't yes. say good question. Come on. <laughs> Great question. Um, so I am not a doctor. I am not a registered dietitian. So I am not allowed legally to give you medical advice on that. So what my job would be is to tell you like, hey, like this is not in the scope of my profession. You need to go talk to your doctor about this. Whatever his recommendations are, I can make sure that we get you doing those recommendations consistently so that your LDL does come down. But like, I, you know, it's not my job or expertise to like actually tell you medical recommendations, which is a super important part of this because definitely people come to me and they're like, write me a meal plan. And I'm like, that's not what I do. And also you've probably had somebody write you a meal plan before and you didn't follow it. And there's a reason. So we're not doing that. (laughs) Love it. Well, I'm glad I asked that question. I think it's just like less cheese and red meat. I think that's what I was told by multiple dietitians. (laughs) So I I don't think it's going to be that hard. I also think the only reason was I took the blood test like, like a month after Christmas and my wife got me like a box an entire box of beef jerky. And I can't help myself when it comes to beef jerky. So I literally just ate like copious amounts of beef jerky every single day. And it was incredible. Um, I'm pretty (laughs) sure that number has come down only because I stopped eating so much beef jerky, but it was awesome. But you know what else was awesome, Kim? This entire conversation. And I really appreciate you coming on. I'm glad you had a good time. That's like my number one goal is you had a good time and everyone listening had a good time. And I, just along the way, get to learn a bunch of stuff about cool people. As I said, love listening to people who are passionate about stuff. Kim, where can everybody follow you online where they can find more information on Now Foods, where they can find more information on your health coaching business, on your volleyball career? Lay it all down. Yeah, so uh, the biggest social media that I use is my Instagram, which is just my name, Kim underscore Hildreth. Um, And then my health coaching website is linked to my Instagram, but it's healthcoachingwithkim.com where you can find all the information about, you know, my packages, how to contact me. I do a free, you know, anybody that's really interested in working with a health coach, I have a free 30 minute consultation um, to see if it's a good fit for you to work with my program. Um, And yeah. I love it. That's easy. And I'll just in case you missed it, if you're just listening, I'll put all the notes, uh, all those links in the show notes for everybody so that they can get those there. Uh, Kim, sincerely again, thank you. Shout out to Andrew and Othello Group again for for, uh, having you come on as well, hooking us up. I really, really appreciate it. You have such a cool career and an opportunity and you know we aligned on a lot of cool stuff which i wasn't sure if that was going to happen but clearly it did so this was an (laughs) absolute blast so uh to you to everyone listening thank you for your time it's the only thing we don't get more of so i appreciate you giving me a little bit of yours and other than that i hope everybody just has a wonderful day bye everybody bye